Uh, glory to God. We're going to be in a couple of uh, places here to th- this morning. As we get started, we're in the Olympics. I had the opportunity to, to see a little bit. Brandon and Corey were introducing me to a game called handball. Boy, that looks fun. I never would have thought of it. It didn't look like handball like I'm used to. It looked like something I wanted to get out there and play. So we need some guys to get together and go out there and play some handball. It looks good. You may not come home in one piece, but that's all right. You'd have fun anyway. <laughs> I didn't get to see the guys play, but we watched some of the gals play. And uh, they were pretty vicious, and they were telling me that the guys are worse. So it seems like it would be a fun game to watch. But back in the 2002 Winter Olympics, there was a 1,000-meter speed skating race. We were in the gold medal race, the final race. And they all lined up for the, for the race. They were in the final lap. And I didn't watch speed skating in 2002 or the years after that. But I'm told that during the final lap, the American and Chinese were out in front with the Canadian and Korean uh, skaters hot on their heels. And as they came around the last curve and the final sh- stretch, final straightaway, everyone was watching, bated breath to see who would inch forward, who would take the, the gold. People, of course, in this country were cheering for the American to hold the lead and keep going. Suddenly, the Chinese skater slightly bumped the American and sent both careaming into the wall. With no way to get out of the way, the Canadian and Korean skaters also spent out of control. The Australian skater, who was behind, was able to avoid getting entangled in the mess and came through, and as he came through, shouted, I won the gold! <laughs> He didn't win the gold because he was the fastest. He didn't win the gold because he set any records. He won the gold simply because he didn't get entangled in the mess that was around him. Last week we began to look at the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And what happens when the two kingdoms collide? Today we're going to look at this from a little different angle. What happens when the two kingdoms merge? You know, when things collide, things go bang. But when things merge, it's not quite as much of a bang. But do you know that there were instances in the Word of God where the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan merged? It merged because people were not able to recognize the kingdom of Satan. And they allowed it to merge with the kingdom of God. In this part of our Steady or Stubborn series, we were looking at the four identifying aspects of whether you are steady for the things of God or whether you are stubborn. First one, looking, of course, at Pharaoh, our relationship to authority, our generosity with supply. His first things out of his mouth was, who is God that I should obey him? God asked him to give up. He said, let my people go. And he says, no, he wasn't generous with what he had. And what he had was actually God's. Our focus during turmoil, we saw that his focus would be, all right, we'll let him go. No, we won't let him go. He was constantly going back and forth. There was no set focus. And if you do not have a set focus, if you're not able to focus on the things that God has put in front of you and not be distracted and moved off, then you are probably more of a stubborn person than you are a steady person. And last, 
the motivation and boldness. People in both kingdoms are bold. People in both steady or stubborn people are bold. But what is the motivation behind it? Last week we began to look at that. But here in Second Chronicles, the 18th chapter, verse 1, we've covered this section of Scripture before, and we'll just kind of refresh some of you, but some people have, have missed this aspect of King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was one of the better kings of Israel. He uh, has a good reputation in the Word of God. But he also made some of the biggest mistakes. And this is one of them. Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. Oh. Now, if we wanted to spend time, we could show you that Ahab's line was cursed. That God pronounced a curse on Ahab's line and he says, you and your sons will all die. But on Jehoshaphat, his lineage was the lineage of David. And the lineage of David is, you will always have one to sit on the throne. Speaking, of course, in the end when Messiah would take the throne, that he would reign forever. But that he would have one until then. And Jehoshaphat gave his daughter in marriage to Ahab. What you did was you took a blessed line and you merged it with a cursed line. You took the kingdom of God and you merged it with the kingdom of Satan. Because Ahab is of the kingdom of Satan. Oh, he may speak about God every once in a while. But just because people speak about God does not mean that they are of the kingdom of God. Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. Did he deal with them as people of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? Paul dealt with false teachers. Did he deal with them as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan? It's real easy to spot the kingdom of Satan if you know what to look for it. But if you don't, then people, born-again Christians, can get swayed into thinking that the kingdom of Satan is the kingdom of God or that those that are of the kingdom of Satan are of the kingdom of God. And Jehoshaphat was pulled into this. For whatever reason, Jehoshaphat thought that Ahab, because he was king over Israel and God's people, that he was of the kingdom of God and allowed his daughter to marry Ahab's son. Now, Ahab worshipped idols. Worshipped Baal. Remember Elijah up there in the mountain? Why, uh, why be caught between two opinions? If God's God, worship Him. If Baal's God, worship Him. So they had that big thing on the, on the mountain. That was with Ahab. And Ahab married a particular woman. Anybody know what her name was? She's one of the most famous women in the Bible. Because she was evil. So you're going to take your daughter to marry the son into this family with this extremely evil woman from a foreign land who brought in foreign gods and corrupted the nation and Ahab into worshiping idols. Why would you do that? Why would you willingly do that? The purpose of a marriage between a king's son and a king's daughter is for an alliance. Why would you want to be allied with one who's of the kingdom of Satan? I don't know that we can explain that. I'm sure we get up to heaven, we can sit Jehoshaphat down and we can ask him. Why in the world did you do that? He's up there probably now kicking himself. Why did I do that? <laughs> but he put God into a really tough position. 
God now has to either honor the perpetual nature of the kingdom that was given to David or the termination of the kingdom of Ahab. Because when the two came together, the son of Ahab was going to have children by the daughter of Jehoshaphat. So what will become of those kids? But got into a nasty position, didn't he? Well, he didn't stop there. After some years, so he gave the daughter in marriage, and after some years. Now, are there prophets in Israel? We don't have record of it, but do you think that some prophets came up and spoke to Jehoshaphat about this? I kind of, during Ahab's time, we have uh, Elijah in the northern kingdom, and he was very bold, but we also have prophets in the southern kingdom. And Jehoshaphat, we have approached by prophets on a few occasions in the word of God, but probably there's some other occasions that he was approached that it just didn't make the word of God. This marriage only makes it here in Chronicles. Kings doesn't cover it. Kings goes over the same story and skips over the marriage. But it's here in Chronicles. So if you go back to the same chapter in Kings, I'm, I think it's First Kings 22 or somewhere in that neck of the woods. It might be 18. If you go back over there and you look it up, you will see that it covers the story almost verbatim except for the first verse. Leaves that out. After some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. Why do you visit people? Well, we visit people for a couple of reasons. One, we're related to them when we have to. <laughs> right? How many of you people have some folks that you are related to, don't want to be related to them? You know, cousins, uncles, distant people. But, you know, every once in a while, you got to go out there and you got to visit. Why? Because you're related. Would you visit them otherwise? <laughs> Probably not, no. So the, we visit some people just because we're related to them. Uh, we visit other people. You know, sometimes people give us an invite and uh, we just couldn't come up with a good excuse to get out of it, right? So we go visit them. But there are some people that, you know, you just visit them because you enjoy, enjoy them. Now, he's the king. Do you think he's uh, visiting anybody because he doesn't want to? He's the king. If he says, I don't want to go, he don't have to go. Maybe it is that, you know, he's got a relationship here now. Maybe his daughter says, Dad, please come up and visit me. And so he goes up to visit the daughter. And in the way, he's visiting Ahab. Don't know why it is, but he goes up there to visit Ahab. This says he goes up there to visit Ahab. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as you are and my people as your people. We will be with you in war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? They said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Now, since we have an English translation, we kind of miss some of this. Because when we have them coming here the second time, and he says, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here? He doesn't say the same word. He uses the word Adonai instead of Jehovah. So first he says, we need a prophet of Jehovah. But then when they're all getting this one word, he says, is there not a prophet of Adonai? And that's why the answer came up different. So somehow they had this 
either a false worship of Jehovah going on, or they considered that the prophets of Baal were prophets of Jehovah. But when he said, is there not a prophet of Adonai? Now, Jehoshaphat, no, he's asking for something different. And that's why he asked it this way. And Ahab heard it as something different. And he says, the next verse. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. (laughs) Because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. Now, during Ahab's life, who is the most famous of all prophets? He's probably the most famous of all prophets ever. Elijah. Elijah confronted him how many times? At one time, his wife said, I'm going to kill you after the incident on the mountain. And he ran. And he comes out inside the cave. And he says to the Lord, I have been very zealous for the Lord. (laughs) And he gives us his whole speech, and he gives it quite a few times too. But in the end, he says, I alone am left, and they seek to kill me too. So according to Elijah, how many prophets of Adonai are there? One. And then God comes back with his retort, and he says, oh, by the way, there are 7,000 still left. 7,000, not one. 7,000. Now, Ahab says that there is one man, but he doesn't mention Elijah. He mentions Micaiah. Now, maybe Elijah has already gone on. No, Elijah has not gone on yet. Elijah is still here, and so is Elisha. He will eventually go on, but he's not gone yet. He's still around. And if Elijah were gone, who took his place right afterwards? Elisha. But still, he says, well, there's one guy. He never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. It's his fault. He's just a bad prophet. He's just an evil prophet. He just speaks evil things. He does nothing good to say about me. He is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. And the king of Israel called one of the officers and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on his throne... And they sat at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenanah, had made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. Now there's people who prophesy in the word of God. We were talking about this on Wednesday. But there are people who prophesy in the word of God, and then there are people who use props. And you know, if you use props, it's far more effective. Right? Because if you use prop, you have to be of God. So he gets some, some horns of iron. And he says, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. I think, can think of far more efficient ways to take care of the enemy there. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, I will speak. I'm sure that servant was thinking, boy, if you speak something good, I can tell the king I threatened him before. I told him. (laughs) 
Here's just a side note. How did they get Micaiah so quickly? We'll get back to that. As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, I will speak. Then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper and shall be delivered into your hand. Now, how many of you folks like to text people? How many of y'all like to email people? You know, most people like, you know, one or the other. It's kind of like Star Trek, Star Wars. You like one and not, well, not so much the other. The problem with text messages and email messages is it doesn't convey the tone. And here we're reading this. It doesn't convey the tone. But somehow in the tone, Micaiah is conveying something that Ahab picks up. So he has to be saying something. He's not just saying, go and prosper. He must be saying something like, yeah, go and prosper, be fruitful, multiply, do great things for God. <laughs> He's got to be communicating something because Ahab picks up on it. <laughs> How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? I'm sure that's often, right? Because what's his opinion of Micaiah? He doesn't prophesy anything good. He always prophesies evil. He didn't say sometimes. He says always. But he's trying to lift himself up in the sight of Jehoshaphat too. So then the tone changes. The sarcasm is gone. And then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord says, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Because what he's saying is, there's no king. That they're out there in the battlefield and the king is gone. Why would the king be gone? Because he's dead. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He didn't come out and say he's dead, but he's saying there's no shepherd. They're all gone. And so Ahab knows exactly what he's saying. Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up that he may fall at Ramath Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Mm-mm-mm. Now, sometimes we get a little bit lost in, in this because people read this story and they say, wait a minute, how can the host of heaven come before God and God say, you know, all right, you go out there and be a lying spirit. How can God have the people in his army go out and be a lying spirit? Does anybody ever wonder about that? We ever ask about that? Say, well, how is that possible? Oh, it's real simple. All you got to do is go back to the Word of God. There's nothing confusing. There should nothing. There should be nothing confusing about this verse if you go back to the Word of God. Now, I I wrote down in my my spot right here. I have all the references and all of them read out. I'm not going to read them all because if I did, it would be 15 different passages. 15 different passages. I'm going to read a handful of them, though. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 19. Remember, who is before the Lord at this point? The Word of God says, who is before the Lord? The host 
of heaven. Doesn't that sound like a nice term? And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Does that sound like the host of heaven is a good thing? Deuteronomy 17, verse 3. Who has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded? 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 16. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practice witchcraft and soothsaying, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Now we can keep going. I'm going to skip over some of these and jump over to Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 4. All the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heaven shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their host shall fall down as a leaf falls from the vine, and as fruit falling from a fig tree. Does that sound good? Daniel chapter 8 verse 10. And it grew up to the host of heaven and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Now go over to the New Testament. Acts chapter 7 verse 42. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me... Slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel. Give you one more. Zephaniah. How many, when was the last time you went to Zephaniah? <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 5. Those who worship the host of heaven on the housetops, those who worship and swear oaths by the Lord, but also, but who also swear by Milcom. Does it sound like the host of heaven is a good thing? Does not. There's a particular song, I absolutely love the song, and it uses the term host of heaven in a good way. We've sung it here a few times, and I made them change it. Made them change it. We're not, we're not going to put the host of heaven in. I love the guy who wrote the song, but that's not a good term, and it's not used in a good way. I think one time it's used in a, in a neutral way, but it's, it's not used in a good way in the Word of God. When the, God has, when he, the Lord says that the host of heaven is before him, these are not angels. These are not the good ones. These are not the army of those that are on God's side. Now, going back over to our verse here, where we left off. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chenehan, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go from me to speak to you? Now, Micaiah means who is like Jehovah. Zedekiah means justice of Jehovah. Still putting God in his name. See, there can be people who worship God falsely that are of the kingdom of Satan. They worship God falsely. Just because, remember the word of God says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, <laughs> You've got to be able to discern the difference. You just need to be able to know the difference between the, the, the two groups. And it's easy to tell. 
the traits are good, are, are right there in front of you. Know the traits. And Micaiah said in verse 24, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon. What's he doing with Ammon? You might just miss, right? you might just miss this if you read over real fast. Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon. Remember we asked you before, how did they get him so quickly? Because he was locked up. He was under guard and they had him in the palace. You can't return if he wasn't there. Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. Then Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. Now that's a bold prophet right there. That's the guy who's, uh, who's saying, I'm putting my reputation on the line. If you come back, I'm a false prophet. <laughs> now, if you are Jehoshaphat and a prophet comes in, you, you wanted to find out, is there not a prophet of Adonai here? And we got one. And he said, don't go. <laughs> it's going to result in bad stuff. But Jehoshaphat's there. You know, the wife's married or the daughter's married to the king's son. They have a... For some reason, he likes Ahab. Have you ever had it that there's people that are sinners, but you just like them? Have you ever run into that? I mean, they're sinners, but they're likable. You just, you like them. I mean, you, they're just, they're nice. You enjoy being around them, whatever it might be. And But they're sinners. They're not on God's side. It must be. Ahab somehow must have been this way with Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat must just have liked him. And so now we got the, the prophet came in. If you're Jehoshaphat, don't you say, well, I'll see you. We're going to head back. And if he says, well, how come? Well, you heard the prophet. I think I would have done that. Maybe. I would hope so anyway. And I might have said, look, if you don't want Micaiah, can I bring him with me? If you're just going to lock him up, can I just bring him along with me? He's a good guy. We'll take care of him. Good care of him. And then you won't have to deal with him anymore. Of course, Micaiah might say, that's not my call. I'm here to be in Israel and be a voice. And he may have refused that. But anyway, it would be interesting to, to see what would happen. But that's not what Jehoshaphat does. Have you ever been in those situations where, you know, um, it didn't work out so well? And you imagine the situation again. You say, oh, if I only did this instead oh, it would have been better so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah went up to Ramoth Gilead and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat I will disguise myself and go into battle but you put your robes on so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle so here's the, we had the prophecy Ahab I don't believe that we're going into, into, into battle but the prophecy is they're coming after the king Right? So the king says, look, <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, hey, but if you put on your kingly robes and I just kind of dress up like a normal guy. And Jehoshaphat says, okay. okay. <laughs> you wonder, how did this guy get rich? Remember we start off, he had riches and honor. and How did he get rich? This is not a bright move. Look, I'll wear the bullseye and you can go in there without it. Now, the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, Fight with no one, small or great, but only with the king of Israel. 
So it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, it is the king of Israel. Therefore, they surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. God is patient. God sent the prophet, don't go. God probably sent prophets and said, why are you joined up in marriage with this guy? And the guy goes into battle anyway. And he buys into this thing. You dress up. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like if you were going into watching you know, the football season started up. And you have a friend who came down to visit you from New York. And you wanted to take this friend to go see because the Eagles are playing the Giants. And you want to take this friend into the stadium with you. You have two tickets and you're going to take him along. And he's going to bring his Giants jersey and wear it into the stadium. And he says, look, I really want to have my Giants jersey in the stadium, but I don't want to get beat up. How about if you put it on? And you say, okay. okay. <laughs> That's kind of like what he's doing here. Well, they surrounded him. Jehoshaphat cries out. The Lord helped them and God diverted them from him. For so it was when the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him. Another version of the story puts it this way. That he sees them all come along. So Jehoshaphat quickly takes off his robe from covering his face so they can all see, oh, it's the king of Judah. It's not the king of Israel. That's not the one we want. And then they all leave him alone because the commandment from Syria was fight with no one small or great, only the king of Israel. That's it. We want to take this king out. Whatever the reason, maybe he had a command from God to go do it. We don't know. Now, a certain man, we don't know who it was, drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle for I am wounded. See, sometimes we think we can hide from God. That we can hide from whatever God's word has said. So he's just out there in battle. And somebody, just some random guy, drew a bow, pulled it back, shot it up in the air, and the arrow comes down and it hits him right between the joints of the armor. The battle increased that day and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Syrians until evening. And about that time of sunset, he died. So it didn't go so well. But here, God lays it all out. This is what's going to happen. Now, in John, 1 John, verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because occasionally a false prophet might go out into the world. Once in a while. What's it say? Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many. They're out there. He's warning you. By this you will know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. How many people do we have that profess to be going to a church, profess to be Christians, and if you say, is Jesus Christ the way to heaven? Well, I think there are many ways. I don't think we can rule out any religion. They're all seeking God diligently. False. It's not right. 
You are of God, little children, have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, or they're of the kingdom of Satan. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You're going to have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. You're going to have the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. One of the differences, we were going over some of these last week, one of the differences between the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God is truth. The kingdom of Satan works to distort, distort, twist the truth. They look to cover it up. They are afraid of the truth. They are afraid of those who speak the truth. Whenever you hear someone who is in fear of another person's words, more than likely, you can guess what kingdom they're from. Was Jesus, was Paul, was John, was Peter, was Ezekiel, was Elijah, was Moses, and the list goes on, were they ever afraid of the words spoken against them? But when you get into the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious rulers of the day, when you get into the heathens, when you get into the kings and the, and the um, rulers in Rome, were they ever afraid of the words that the kingdom of God spoke? Were they afraid of the words that Paul spoke? Were they afraid of the words that Peter spoke? Those that are afraid of words are generally of the wrong kingdom. Because people of the kingdom of God know that false words will be exposed and they have no fear of them. But people of the kingdom of Satan know that true words, if they're exposed, will show them in darkness. You can tell real easy. Kingdom of Satan, kingdom of God, who's afraid of whose words? Real easy to tell. You don't have to wonder. Word of God says, test the spirits. Just because somebody's out there, just because somebody says, I'm of God... Just because you got a Zedekiah and guys like that out there, just because they're out there, just because they're speaking, just because they have props, doesn't mean that they speak the truth. You need to test it out. And it's not hard to test it out. But if you begin to embrace the kingdom of Satan and you begin to merge the kingdom of Satan with the kingdom of God, you're going to have some tough times like Jehoshaphat does. You're going to be involved in some situations that you should not be involved with. You're going to be on battlefields that God says you shouldn't be there. And this is not the only mistake that Jehoshaphat makes. He makes others. Zechariah 13, verse 2. It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land. They shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Same kind of thing that the host of heaven we saw before. Does not mean that one of God's good angels or spirits are out there distressing him. Let our, let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player in a harp, and it shall be that he will play it with his hand. When the distressing spirit from God is upon you, you shall be well. In other words, the anointing of God would come on the place 
then the host of heaven can't hang out. When we unite ourselves with the godless or those who compromise, who will suffer the most? Jehoshaphat suffered a lot because of his alliance with Ahab. And you would think that he would learn the lesson, wouldn't you? But he does not. Going over to 2 Kings, chapter 3. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother. For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. I looked up before and tried to find out, and I just didn't, couldn't spend enough time on it. Get a little more time, I might be able to find out. Is this the son that his daughter married? I'm not sure. Still want to find that out. There's still some other places I can look to to check that out, but not sure just yet. But if it is, was the influence of the daughter such to be able to pull him over some? But as you can see, he didn't pull him over all the way, did it? Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Jeroboam went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel, or King, king Jehoram went out of Samaria. Verse 7, Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Some people don't learn. Now, when they have a mission here, they want to subdue the rebellion of Moab. Jehoshaphat, why does he join in? Well, remember in Second Chronicles chapter 20, they had that big battle with Moab. This is the one where the praisers go first. That is huge multitude coming from there. So Jehoshaphat is probably looking at this this way. Hey, we've got these guys, us guys, and we can gang up against Moab and we can make them weaker even if we uh, don't completely annihilate them, we can at least make them weaker so they're not this force that is on our border. So a weak in Moab would benefit Judah. Second Kings chapter 3 and verse 8. Then he said, Which way shall we go up? And he answered, By way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And they marched on that round roundabout route seven days and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them and the king of israel said alas for the lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of moab now first off they say which way shall we go and they say well let's go by the way of edom there's a direct access which is going across jordan or an indirect access which is going by way of edom if they go by the way of edom they can also pick up some army from the king of edom because the king of edom is subject to the king of judah so now you got three kings. That's how they picked up the third king. So when they came down through, through there, Judah says, look, you guys are subservient to us. We need your forces. Come on, let's go. And so they join up there and they all get going. So right now, they've sought after God for nothing. They've just made all their own decisions. And now we say, the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab because there's trouble afoot. How many times have we made plans ourselves going our own different way, going our own direction, and then when there's trouble afoot, we say, oh, God has called this to happen. No, uh You just miss God. You just didn't go in the right direction. So Edom was a dependency of Judah, and they could pick up some more forces going down that way. So far, the reliance up to this point has been on just flesh things, numbers, a roundabout way. 
but now they face a problem that demands a spiritual solution. Because there is no natural one. There's no water to feed everything. There's no water to water the hurt. They're all going to die. And they're not going to have as much to, to go after there. So Jehoshaphat says, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, in the chapter before this is when Elisha comes to power or comes to his office. Elijah goes away. Elisha takes up. We have him doing a few things with the, with the people. But this is his first encounter that we have recorded with the king. Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? He says to the king of Israel. Who's the leader of this pack? King of Israel is the one who's put this together. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, he's looking right at Jehoram, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. He's still on this, this thing. That just sounds like Israel. The Lord has called us out in the wilderness to kill us. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, not the host of heaven, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. How many kings are in this company? There are three kings. One of them is the king of Israel. The other is the king of Edom. What the Lord is saying is, I don't care if you're a king or what, I would have nothing to do with you. Can he say that? If you are a king, a leader of a nation, we have leaders in our nation, and they, do, they are not on board with God, they are not of the kingdom of heaven, what does God view them as? Even though they are over God's people. The king of Israel is over God's chosen people. And Elisha says, what have I to do, do with you? If it were not for the king Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't look on you. I wouldn't even see you. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, Elisha is called to what nation? Got to think on that one a little bit, don't you? What nation is Elisha called to? Well, what nation was Elijah called to? Israel, the northern tribes. So if Elisha took over the anointing from Elijah, where is Elisha's ministry? Wouldn't it make sense that he'd be in the northern kingdoms? And what's he say about the king? I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't even see you. It's only because of Jehoshaphat, the king of the south, that I'm even bothering with this. Just because a person... Sometimes we have this idea that God honors all those that are in authority. And so you have those, like, like, like the guy over in Cuba, dictator. You got uh, Chavez. You got a uh, guy over in Syria... I mean, some nasty leaders abusing their people. You think God's behind that? Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, if folks over in countries over in Africa, dictators who did horrible things to their people. You think God's behind that? Yeah. Leaders in Russia who slaughtered people 
leaders in Germany who slaughtered millions of people? Do you think God's behind that? What does God say about them? And I wouldn't even look at you. God does not respect people in office. God respects people that are His. And the reason that He shows up for anybody here is because of one guy, Jehoshaphat. And we already seen he's messed up a whole mess of times. <laughs> Thank God, even though we mess up, you get your heart right. You, and, and Jehoshaphat does this. He may mess up a lot, but when you rebuke him, he fixes it. it may not be stay fixed for long. <laughs> it may break again, but he does fix it. And you're going to see this. We're going to see the story as we go on. He does fix some things. He says, now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. This is another time we see the musician comes and plays some things and the anointing of God comes on. That's why you musicians pursue that anointing. Oh, it's important. You all have an anointing on you. You pursue some things and God says that just makes the way for the anointing of God to come in and to do some things. Oh, yeah. That's why it's important to, to do. So he gives a, he gives a word here. Put in your outline, God does not regard every leader even those over Israel. Verse 16, Then he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. This is one of my favorite stories. I got a lot of them, but this is one of them. I think this is so neat. You're facing this big problem. You got no water. And God says, Go out and dig some ditches. (laughs) What happens when you dig a ditch? It's hot and you get thirsty. And guess what? There's no water. (laughs) <laughs> there's no water <laughs> so he says you're thirsty already go out there and dig some ditches he's not talking little tiny ditches he's talking big ditches I want some ditches for thus says the Lord you shall not see wind nor shall you see rain yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you your cattle and your animals may drink now if you're listening to this word you say no wait a minute we're digging ditches there's going to be no storm no rain coming but we're going to have water come on I think it's just because Elisha doesn't like us. He already said if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, and he just doesn't like us. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning that the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered and they stood at the border. Now, we've covered this story before. We were able to get into it in more detail. I could spend the time to tell you where this water came from, but we don't have time. Then they rose up early in the morning and the sun was shining on the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood. And they said, this is the blood. This is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now therefore, Moab to the spoil. So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them. And they entered their land killing the Moabites. So they all come down expecting to take the spoil, but not expecting battle. And when they get there, they find a battle and are surprised and are promptly slaughtered. So here's what's neat about this. The thing that looked like it was going to kill them is the thing that God used to deliver them. No water. The water coming in, filling up the ditches. If they don't dig the ditches, the water doesn't stay there. 
It just rolls right on through. But because I dug the ditches, the reflection off of it caused them to think that this was blood. Verse 25, Then they destroyed the cities, and each man threw a stone on every piece of land and filled it. And they stopped up the springs of water and cut down all the trees. But they left the stones of Ker, Heversath intact. However, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel, so they departed from him and returned to their own land. I really don't know why that made it stop, but they do the sacrifice. They all became abhorrent to it, and then they stopped the fight, and they all just went on back. And Moab became a problem again later on because they didn't finish the thing off. Now, chapter 19, verse 1. Take a look at what Jehoshaphat... We said Jehoshaphat fixes things. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Should you love the wicked or should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? That's a question from a prophet to the king. Should you do it? Guess what, folks? That's a question for us, too. Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? What do you think the answer to that is? And don't be out there helping the wicked. Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. He leaves his place in Jerusalem to walk out out there among the people to bring them back to the God of their fathers. Then he set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of, of Judah, city by city. And he said to the judges, take heed to what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord." who is with you in the judgment. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord your, our God, no penalty, or no partiality, nor taking of bribes. You want to know a real good way to find out the kingdom of Satan? People who take bribes, people who show partiality, that is the kingdom of Satan. That is not the kingdom of God. For the word of God says how many times? The Lord does not show partiality. The Lord judges the heart does not look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And he does not show partiality with it. When we allow the views of Satan's kingdom into our minds and beliefs, we taint how we hear what God would say to us. You need to be on guard. This is why I warned you all the time about news people, about news stations, about listening to them. Because if you take it in, they are promoters of the kingdom of Satan. They are promoters of all these evil things. They are promoters of partiality. They are promoters of distorting the truth, of partial truth. They are distorters of the facts. And if we bring that stuff in, we taint how we hear the things of God. Don't bring that stuff in. Get out there and, and find out what the truth of the thing is. I am almost to the, well, I'm already at, pretty much at that spot. But if the news media tells me to do one thing, I'm pretty much ready to go and do the opposite. 
Well, I don't listen to them, but you know, sometimes you still hear some things filtered on through about what they, they want to say. I just don't, just don't listen to them. If the news media likes a person, probably ought not to like them. If the news media says this is a horrible person, they may have some good things to them. Because the news media, our news media in this country, are sold out to the kingdom of Satan. If you look at the traits of the kingdom of Satan, you will see them all over them. They hate the things of God. They hate the way of Jesus Christ. They're open any other way, but they hate those kind of things. They constantly have to fudge things, misrepresent the truth. I put this in your outline. When we join ourselves with Satan's kingdom, we create a choice for God. Don't give God a choice on things. That's not a good thing to do. God wants to do what His Word says. Here's a choice we do. We create a choice for God to prevent judgment or to not protect His children. If we put ourselves, emerge ourselves with the kingdom of Satan, we are basically saying to God, you have a choice now. You can either prevent judgment from coming on or not protect your children. When Lot merged himself with the city of Sodom, that city was, was deemed as judged by God. And God was coming down to judge it. What stopped him from judging it? Abraham bartered for Lot's life. Lot would have been destroyed in that group. And then God would have had to either not protect. And that's why God says, should I withhold from Abraham what I'm doing? Since he will be a great person. A great man of God. No, I'm going to tell him. And, and Abraham knew where Lot was. And he says, would you destroy the city if there's ten people? And the word of God says, I will withhold judgment to protect ten of my children that are in a sinful city. Isn't that what he says? Don't be doing it. You need to recognize the kingdom of Satan. And you need to get away from it. And you cannot let anything else hinder you, any outward appearance, or just the fact that, you know what, I kind of like this guy. <laughs> he has kind of cool, kind of fun to hang out with. You know, he's got some, some good food over there. Plus, he's got that vegetable garden right next to his palace. You know, that's kind of neat. The kingdom of Satan... We gave you some characteristics last time. I'm just going to give you a few more here now. The kingdom of Satan fears the truth. It distorts the truth. And it slanders those who speak it. That is the kingdom of Satan. It fears the truth. This is not in your outline. You can write them down if you want to. It fears the truth. It distorts the truth. It slanders those who speak it. That's what the kingdom of Satan does. It blames others now here's a real good example greatest example you can see this in the garden of eden it was the kingdom of god when adam reached out and decided to merge the kingdom of satan with the kingdom of god what's the first thing he did he hid what's the second thing he did blamed another he blamed another. You find someone in the kingdom of God who blames other people. You find it. You don't find people blaming others. You find people in the kingdom of God stepping up and saying, I did that. When David was confronted, because he had gone into the Satan's kingdom, he emerged it there. And when the prophet confronted him, 
David, you're the man. What do you say? Well, it was God's fault. He made her too beautiful. He didn't do that, did he? What did he do? He said, I have sinned. Didn't blame it on anybody else. I have sinned. I have sinned. We got our, the kingdom of God. Man up. Woman up, whatever we're going to do. But fess up to what you did. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not afraid of the truth. The kingdom of God says, that's the truth. That's what I did. And I need to confess it, not blame others. The kingdom of Satan fears the truth, distorts the truth, slanders those who speak it, blames others, and seeks to pull others into darkness with them. They are not content in being darkness themselves. They seek to pull others into darkness with them. What do you mean by pull? When the news media comes out, they slant a story to pull people into the same kind of belief that they have. They do not try to lead you there. They try to pull you into it. Like quicksand pulls you into the trap. It tries to pull you in. That's Satan's kingdom. God's kingdom is this. God's kingdom speaks the truth. That's it. It speaks the truth. Thank God we are always learning more truth and we're learning the truth even deeper. But you speak the truth. You're not afraid of the truth. It honors those who do also. The kingdom of God honors those who speak the truth. You may not like to hear it, but it honors those who speak the truth. When Micaiah... When he spoke the truth, what did the king do? Honor him? No, put him in prison. That's the kingdom of Satan. What's the kingdom of God do? Speak the truth. It was hard for us to hear that. But we will honor you. It takes ownership of our own shortcomings. It helps those caught up in theirs. And it does so privately at first. The kingdom of Satan likes to expose or slander or bring people down with falsities. But the kingdom of God, when it finds out someone is involved in the sin, what's the word of God tell us to do? Restore such a one privately. He says, first off, go to your brother one-on-one. They don't listen to that, then go bring out another one. If they still don't listen, then all right, make it public. But first off, you try and do it privately. Because when God's not out to try and shame people, but that's what the kingdom of Satan wants to do. And lastly, and seeks to, to lead others into the light. You see, one wants to pull you into darkness and the other wants to lead you. When you pull someone into darkness, you grab hold of them and you yank and you pull. When you lead, you say, this is where I'm going. You can follow and it's a voluntary thing. When you pull someone into darkness, it's not voluntary. You're taking them where you want them to go. That's the kingdom of Satan. If you just look at these traits right here, you can tell the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God easily. You should not link up with the kingdom of Satan. Even if you like him. Even if you like her. Should not do it. Do not get connected. We're in a political arena here and I always bring out political stuff for you for this one one purpose. I always try real hard to make sure I keep my opinions to myself on it. And I try and make sure I just bring out the facts of it to you. Sometimes people don't like to hear the facts. Sometimes we have been tainted with stuff 
and it's hard for us to hear what the truth of the thing is. I have a lot more opinions than I'll ever tell you. But I try and make sure I bring it to the things that are important, things that are from the Word of God, things that are against the church, things that are bringing people into darkness, things that are designed to hurt people because it's for, for us to know. You need to know what the truth of God has to say. You need to know what the truth is on the matter and, to, and determine it because sometimes Christians have connected themselves with political people who are of the kingdom of Satan, have helped, have supported to further their cause. And you better be careful because I've, I've only tipped the... I mean, we have barely touched the stories in the Word of God of when the kingdom of Satan merges or tries to merge with the kingdom of God and how many times it has been done. It has been done over and over. Israel did it in Egypt. They merged the two. You had the kingdom of God worshiping idols in Egypt. When they had their own land, they began to... God even said, you're going to take their idols and you're going to worship them. You're going to merge the kingdom of God with the kingdom of Satan. And they did it. And problems came out. You need to be careful of what it is that you believe and what it is that you repeat. Be real careful with what it is that you repeat because you'll be accountable to it. That's why I try and be real careful with the things I... I repeat, I try and check two, three, four sources and make sure, is this how it happened? Is this what's going on? Because we are filled with all kinds of falsities and it changes the way that you believe. If you take enough of the kingdom of Satan, if you take enough of their false things, it will taint how you hear what God has to say. Jehoshaphat was so tainted that when the word of God came by two different prophets, he went into war anyway. One time against Moab and the other time against Ramoth Gilead. He didn't listen. He didn't yield. Don't get into that place. Don't get into that position. You can stand. You can expose anything to darkness, any of the bit of darkness to light. The truth is always light. And light always exposes darkness. It always exposes it. Don't fall prey. You, the Word of God says this about you. You are children of light. And as children of light, you should have no fellowship. First John, you should have no fellowship with darkness at all. Because when you merge the two together, bad things come about. Stay away from the kingdom of Satan. You bring in the kingdom of Satan, it will take you from being steady in the things of God, cause you to be stubborn for your own way. You'll become stubborn. It is easy as anything to tell people what kingdom they're of. All I got to do is talk with them a little while. I can pretty much identify anybody. Just because I know from the word of God what the kingdom of Satan is like. When I talk to somebody about an issue and they immediately shut it down. They don't want to hear the truth. Shut it down. I don't, no, I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that sort of stuff. That's not right. Uh, but here are the facts. I don't care. That's not right. But here's, this is what happened. 
I don't care. It's not right. I know what kingdom you're of. I don't care how often you go to church, how big of a Bible you have, how often you pray. I don't care how many times you say the name Jesus. I know what kingdom you're of. You've shut down. You're not of the light. Because people that are of the light love the light. They love the light. And every time that, oh, I'm getting a little bit of light. Have you ever had it where someone has come along and they're giving you a little revelation on something, the Word of God? What's your, what's your uh, take on that? Oh, I see that. Oh, don't you love it? Don't you, oh, this is good. Oh, I'm understanding this now. Oh, this is great. I love the light. But there are people out there who you begin to expose some of the light and it begins to expose some of the darkness in them. And you know what they do? They shut it down. That's not right. You're wrong. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> That's not right. And they just shut it down. Because the kingdom of Satan will pull you in and, all, and you, can, you just have conversations with them. I can tell from the way people talk. They just shut it down. They're all the wrong kingdom. Because people who are of the kingdom of God love light. They love light. Bring that information. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah, God's in that. Oh, yeah, bring that on in there. But you see, now I have to be careful about this because there are certain political people that lead our country. And I'm I'm kind of afraid to admit this. There are some people that I actually want to believe bad things about. Anybody have that? (laughs) Anybody in that same boat like I am? Do you have people in the political circles that are, you know, senators, uh, congresspeople, people? justices, whatever, just in leadership of the country, and they're going in a certain direction, and you just want to believe something bad about them. I had it with one, heard something negative about them, and you know, my flesh on the inside says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I need to check it out. I need to bring it to light. Found, found out it wasn't true. Other stuff was true, but that one wasn't true. <laughs> that one, he wasn't guilty of that one. No, go out there and find out. You see, people who love light, they want to check it out. Well, I wonder if that is so. And, they'll, and they'll, they'll ask questions. And they'll look and they'll see. Is this happening? Did this go on? How many of y'all know that if you need light on a subject, that you can ask God and God will give it to you? Amen. Word of God says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all men just barely enough. No, gives to all men liberally. If you want to know what's going on with a candidate, now I see sometimes we don't always have the, uh, we don't always have God-fearing, spirit-filled candidates to vote for. <laughs> Do we? But sometimes I have to go to God and say, Father God, which one is less in the kingdom of Satan? Yeah, sometimes I think I have to go in there and find out that. God, which one is less in the kingdom of Satan? <laughs> and we have to go after that one. But you, are, you need to find out what it is. I know I myself, I don't ever want to get before God. And God said, why did you support that one? Why did you give money to that one? They were of the kingdom of Satan. Why didn't you recognize that? Why did you align yourself with that one? I don't want to have to stand there and say. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I want to be able to find out down here. I want to be able to know. We're getting into the heavier political season. And just like they did before, they're going to try and divide people. They're going to try and divide people on race. 
They're going to try and divide people on class. They're going to try and get the middle class against the upper class and the rich against the poor and the poor against the rich and the different races in our country that separate. And that is kingdom of Satan stuff. Don't fall for it. How many of y'all know all these negative commercials on there? If you get into... If you get into the kingdom of light enough, it's amazing. You can listen to some of these negative commercials and hear where the light is. And go out there and check out outside. What, all, what actually happened to that? And down in your spirit, it'll kind of come up. That was false. That was false. And that was false. And it just kind of comes up on you. It'll, it'll work for you. God will reveal it to you. God will help you out. Don't be, don't be falling prey to these things. You have a responsibility. Vote for the people that God wants. Just because a person gets in power does not mean God's behind it. Just because Egypt had a a revolt and new people got in power doesn't mean God's behind those people being in power. They just got in power. You need to have the responsibility of it. Recognize the kingdom of Satan. Recognize the kingdom of God. Most of us right around the truth. Who's afraid of the truth and who embraces it? who brings things to light, who keeps things covered up. It's really easy to tell. It's not hard. We've got some things going on in this country. We've got a whole lot of things that are being kept from us or we're, we always are wondering what's going on. But the truth is out there if you want it. Some of you may have heard about the political ad that was put on. No, it wasn't by a political candidate. It was one of those... Uh, Super PACs that, uh, that put it together. But they came on out and the guy was talking about how his wife died as a result. And they avoided the truth. And all you have to do is go, you can go back. It's really easy to find the truth in it. It's not hard to find the truth. But did you know that the woman who died had her, had her insurance through another company for two years after the man lost his job? And since she lost her insurance when she lost her job because she got injured. But she had it for two years. After that, she never had health insurance through the man's company. There's a whole, that's only the tip of the iceberg. There are so much false things that are brought out in that ad. But all you got to do is look it up. Just listen to your spirit, though. I have been amazed when I have heard some of these false things in some of the previous elections. And I just listen to my spirit. And my spirit will tell me some things about it. And I go out and I check it out. Find out it's true. Your spirit knows the truth from what is false. It knows it. The kingdom of Satan is a kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. Y'all stand up with me. Follow the light. Follow the light. The light is good. Father, we thank you for the light of the kingdom of God. I thank you that we can follow after the light. That in this world of so much political hostility, of people trying to stir up class against class and race against race and people against people and state against state and all so many different things. Trying to get people to be envious of one another, to covet the things that other people have. We know this is all kingdom of Satan stuff and we will not fall for it. We will not give into it. We will not get out of our love walk. We will keep on walking the love walk. We will never be afraid of the truth. We will always look for the truth. For the truth is of the kingdom of God. The truth comes from the kingdom of God. Sometimes the truth exposes 
some problems. Sometimes the truth helps us correct some mistakes. Sometimes the truth leads us into greater things. But the truth is always better. We look for your truth. Father, I thank you that here in this church, here in other churches around our country, that though they try and divide people, that the people of this country will not be divided. We will see through the darkness. We will see through the lies. We will see through the things that try and pit one against another. For this is all our country. We are in this together. And I thank you, Father, for having us be part of one of the greatest countries ever to come across the face of this earth. That you led us into some of the most fantastic stuff. And more so than any nation in history, we have been generous with the stuff that we have. We have been yielding to the things of God. And we have promoted the gospel like no country ever before. Father, I thank you that we get to be part of that. Satan, of course, is against this and wants to bring us down a path where we don't do those things anymore. We don't support the kingdom of God. We don't support missions. We don't help those countries that are in need. We're not in a position. We have no money to help those that are in need. It wants us to be in that position. It likes us to be poor and in poverty. That's not what you want for us. And I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us. No country ever has come upon the face of this earth who laid down the lives of its men and women for the freedom of others. But our country has. I thank you, Father, for this country. And I thank you that our time has not set yet. But we can still continue to go after you. We pray, Father, that every single lie that is brought out by our media to try and shape people's opinions, to try and pull people into the kingdom of darkness, every single lie is brought to light and none of them can stand. And every single lie that they bring out will backfire and have the opposite effect that they desire that it would have. I thank you, Father, for the work that you do to promote the truth, the truth of your gospel. And we thank you for men and women in leadership positions voted in this November who listen to the voice of God, who yield themselves to the will of God, to the word of God. We look for those to be raised up all across the country. And for any attack that is brought against them to dissolve, to not be able to stand. For darkness cannot stand against light. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.